When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post podcast. Welcome to another episode of Off the Post. I'm your host, John Mattis of Post Media, and today on the line is Mr. Adam Gretz of uh, NBC, of FanRag Sports, of Twitter.com. Adam, what's new? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on today. No problem. Uh, you are based in Phil, not Philadelphia. Wow, that was a that was an egregious move by my part. You are based in <laughs> in, in Pittsburgh, uh, not Philadelphia whatsoever, and uh, you you follow the Penguins around a little bit. Um, obviously, big news in that city that the Penguins are off to the uh, Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, and you know it's it's kind of surprising the way they've done it because you know they lose Chris Letang uh, before the playoffs even start. He's such a big part of their team. Um, you know, it's kind of easy to write them off when he went down a little bit because, uh, you know, he, he changes the whole complexion of their roster. You know, the way he moves the puck, the minutes he plays, they really don't have anybody that can replace that. And you look at teams that win, they all have that, that 25, 28-minute-per-night defenseman that can control all three zones, and he's that type of player. And, you know, he was such a big role in their Stanley Cup team last year, and, and you wonder how they're going to be able to do this, especially going through that gauntlet that was Columbus and Washington, and, and you know, here they are. And it, it's kind of been a different uh, style of play from what we saw last year. They haven't been quite as dominant. They've been back on their heels a little bit. They've been having to defend a lot more, and they've just found a way. And uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's had kind of a renaissance here, kind of taking his job back and run with it. And they've been opportunistic when they've had the chances. And uh, they, they've just found a way. And yeah, it's, it's kind of kind of hard to comprehend how they've done it because they haven't always looked great doing it. Yeah, let's uh, pause on Latang there for a second because at the start of the playoffs, I was, you know, it was a huge asterisk I guess you could say that I was putting on the Penguins and I thought oh you know they'll get by Columbus I think they have the guns even without Latang uh to squeak by to beat them I don't know in five six seven games I, I knew that that wouldn't be a huge factor there but then they play the Capitals and obviously they could have used Chris Latang anyone could use Chris Latang but um they didn't seem to struggle too much against uh, a very high-powered Capitals team can you explain what's going on there in terms of the decor and how it's able to uh, not really miss a step. Well, you know, I think a lot of it is number one. You have to give a lot of credit to Mark Andre Fleury because you know he's kind of 
you know, their, their big trend in this postseason has been slow starts. You know, they've come out of the gate really slow in a lot of these games in the first periods, and they've kind of been under siege a little bit. And he's kind of held down the fort a little bit for them. He's given them that chance to hang around in games. And I, I think it's a lot of ways it was kind of frustrating for Washington. And even Columbus back in the first round, where they, were, they, they carried the play for so long, and they never got rewarded for it. And then Pittsburgh would get that one opportunity and they'd bury it. And all of a sudden, the team that was carrying the play is now trying to chase the game. And I think it just kind of got to everybody a little bit. But the, the, the big thing is that team is just so committed to Mike Sullivan's just play mantra, where it doesn't matter who's out of the lineup. It doesn't matter you know, what they're facing. Uh, they just block all of that stuff out. And they just play their game. And they are so committed to blocking shots. They're so committed to doing whatever they have to do to win. And they've, they just, I mean, it's, it's simple to say, but they just find a way. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be what they're, what they want to be, what their identity is. They just find a way to do it. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to, to Mike Sullivan for, for the, getting those guys to buy in, getting them prepared, and getting them to, to just not worry about whatever poor hand they've been dealt and just keep going. Yeah, obviously Fleury's a huge factor in this. He's got one of the better uh, save percentages in the playoffs. Uh, we'll talk about Pekka Rene later when we discuss the uh, Western Conference Final. But aside from Rene, he's arguably been the second-best goalie in the, in the playoffs so far, um, which is – Seems like almost like an oxymoron at this point in his career where he's had so much trouble in the past in the playoffs. He's always been a great regular season goalie and, you know, he's won his cups, but he's never been uh, the stalwart back there that that really carries a team. Um, I mean, I, I've talked about this before on the podcast where I have a tremendous amount of respect for him in terms of uh, Mark Mur- or Matt Murray coming in and, and taking his job essentially as a rookie, winning the cup and Mark andre Fleury not really fussing about it, and you know here he is in the playoffs this time in the conference final as the main guy because Murray went down. It's it's kind of like one of those karma things in a weird way. How you know if he, if he had put up a big fuss, maybe he's out of town and he's not on the team. Yeah, it's just funny the way it's all worked out because it's like the exact opposite of last season where Murray got the opportunity just because Flurry was hurt at the start of the playoffs. And now this time around, you know, Fleury gets an opportunity to kind of redeem himself a little bit. You know, maybe it's his, his last run with the Penguins before they have to make some big, big decisions this offseason. And he gets the opportunity to, to do it because Matt Murray's hurt. And, you know, because Murray, he pretty much took over that starting job. I mean, it yeah. was his. Um, I think he's Mike Sullivan's guy. Um, I think the way he played, not only last postseason, but during the regular season, he, he earned the job. He won it. But, you know, he goes down, and now Flurry gets that opportunity. And I think right now, th- this might be some of the best hockey Mark Andre Flurry's ever played in his career. You, know, you mentioned some of the the postseason struggles he's had in the past. Um, I always thought his best run wasn't the year they won the cup. I thought it was the year they lost to Detroit, where he played his best hockey. And you look at the numbers; it kind of kind of bears that out. I think it's like a 935 save percentage that wow. year. Yeah. And he's kind of back at that level again this season. And, you know, you look at the way they've played. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. You look at the way they've kind of been back on their heels a little bit. You know, he's kind of given them a chance. And he, he might be one of the biggest reasons they're still in this thing. And 
I, I just think this might be some of the best hockey we've seen from him. Yeah, and if we move things forward a bit, they they advance to the Eastern Final, and they're playing the Ottawa Senators. Out of the four teams left, the one team that doesn't seem to fit, uh, doesn't really uh, make sense why the, they've gone this far. They have Eric Carlson, one of the best players in the league, okay. Uh, they have a couple good pieces here, here and there, Mark Stone, uh, you know, Mike Hoffman, uh, Craig Anderson's a quality NHL goalie, but it doesn't seem to add up that they're this far in the playoffs and uh, the Penguins are, are going to be heavily favored by, by, you know, individuals, say media fans. And I think by the books, and I, I think it's pretty fair that uh, this might be the time that, that the Senators gas runs out or that, uh, you know, their Cinderella run ends. Uh, I don't know how you view it. Well, how do you, how do you see the series kind of playing out uh, from just a, a straight a straight perspective in terms of who wins, who loses, and why? Well, I think that's a fair you know fair way to look at it. I mean, because this Ottawa team just kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, they, they've they've been an underdog pretty much every series they've played them. I, mean, I thought Boston was going to beat them. I thought the Rangers were going to beat them, and they just keep going. And you got to give a lot of credit to Eric Carlson. Um, you know, they've really bought into uh, Guy Boucher's system where they, they just kind of just kind of suck the life out of the game a little bit. You know, they, they really slow it down. They clog up the neutral zone. They, they make it really difficult on teams to score against them. And, you know, you, you kind of wonder how long a team like that, that plays like that can, can just keep doing that because it seems like Every once in a while, you see one of these teams that kind of comes out of nowhere, it goes on this deep run. They eventually, like you said, run out of gas. And you just wonder if maybe against a team like Pittsburgh that kind of has that firepower that they haven't really faced yet, if this is going to be it. And, um, you know, I, I, I hate to say that, you know, you hate to write them off because you know, I've been writing them off all postseason and they just keep winning. They keep finding ways to do it. But I, I just wonder if. If, if Pittsburgh's going to be too much for them. And, you know, as good as Eric Carlson is, he's had some struggles in the past against the Penguins. The Penguins seem to be able to to kind of take advantage of him a little bit. And Craig Anderson hasn't always played well against them. So you just wonder if maybe there's something there that they can exploit. Um, yeah, I really didn't expect Ottawa to be in this position. I think they, they, they kind of capitalized on the playoff format where they kind of got into that Atlantic division bracket. They didn't really have to face, you know, I know they had to, they had to go through, a, um, you know, a really good Rangers team, but it just, it, it wasn't that daunting of a, of a test. They weren't in that metropolitan division where you had, you know, four of the best teams in the league coming out of it. So I think they really benefited from that format and, you know, to their credit, they, they've done what they've had to do, but, it just seems on paper to be a, a little bit of a mismatch series a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, everyone's everyone's had their two cents about Carlson. And what it, what it really boils down to is that let's say he plays lights out. He continues to be the Conn Smythe winner or favorite, whatever you want to call him, uh, that he's been throughout the playoffs. If he continues that, that's fine. That's plausible. That might happen. But that's only yeah. about half the game. He plays, you know, 28, 29 right. minutes. You know, I think I think in the past, the last two rounds, the the Suns have been able to kind of squeeze the most out of him in those thirty minutes, and then just hang on for for the time that he's off the ice. And I just I don't know if you can do that against a Penguins team that's so deep. Like uh, the wealth of talent up front is spread within three lines. Right. There's no overloading going on there, and I don't know if they've really. But when I'm talking about Ottawa, I don't know if they've really 
face that kind of uh, just pure skill. The Rangers had a lot of speed, pretty good skill, but not all world skill like a Mal a Malkin and a Crosby. And uh, tell me, tell me about Jake Gunsel. Like, how is how is he still uh, putting up so many points and scoring so many goals? I thought his, I thought you know we're talking about the Senators and their, their Cinderella run. I wasn't sure how long uh, Gunsel would would last as this sort of phenomenon. Yeah, it, it's it's incredible. I mean, he he kind of just. I don't want to say he came out of nowhere because you look at what he did in the American Hockey League this year. He put up huge numbers. I mean, he was dominating down there. And they, they call him up. They, they, he scores on his first shift, on his first shot. He gets two goals in that first period in the NHL. And he's just never stopped. And he's just seemed to have an immediate chemistry with Sidney Crosby. And, you know, Anytime you have you put somebody with Sidney Crosby and they start putting up huge points, you know Crosby's going to be a big part of that. I mean he's he's one of the best players in the world. He's he's an amazing playmaker. He makes everybody around him better. But you know I, I think with Gensel, he just he seems to get it. He seems to have a, a knack for how to play with Crosby. And you know you, you you hear sometimes that Crosby can be a tough player to play with. Uh, you know, he, he, cause he, he can be so unpredictable sometimes. You have to be prepared for him to do anything. And Gensel just seems to have a knack for, for being in the right place. He's, he's not a big guy. He's, he's kind of, you know, one of those undersized players, not very physical, but he plays just fearless. He's almost reckless in a sense with the way he, he just goes to the front of the net. He goes to those dirty areas. He's not afraid to do it. Uh, he has a great stick in terms of deflecting shots. Um, he has a really good shot when he when he has some time and space. And you know the Penguins. One of the things they've done in recent years is they've found these got these young players kind of under the radar a little bit that they've been able to bring through the system, and they get them on these cheap deals early on. You know, you had Connor Sheary come up last year, kind of the same situation. This year, you have Gensel. And they're just great compliments for their, their big money, uh, all star type players. And he's just the next one in that line. And he, he's been a great fit for them. I'm glad you brought up, uh, that it's difficult to play with Cross because, uh, like a lot of people, I mean, maybe, maybe this is more of the casual fan or, or someone who, uh, just says it in passing where they're like, Oh, anyone could play with Crosby. Anyone could score 30 goals with him. And the same goes with McDavid, but then, you know, you see this year, Milan Lucic starts with a McDavid. That did not work whatsoever. You know, Patrick Maroon gets put on there. He all of a sudden starts scoring a boatload of goals. Like, you have to have uh, – well, first of all, the guy has to keep up with, with the Crosby right. or the McDavid. That's, like, that's requirement number one. And you need to have some sort of, um, you know, uh, close-to-the-net uh, finishing ability. I know that's not a technical term, but I just feel like there's a difference between maybe a guy that has a great shot, a great release, and a guy that can just – put in gimmies like get not every guy for whatever yeah. reason can put in gimmies and and a guy like uh gunsel is is benefiting from that right now his his shooting percentage as we speak is 35 percent in the playoffs so that's clearly <laughs> not gonna continue or or maybe it does but um not over the long term like that's that's something that's right. gonna go away at some point but um i mean he's totally riding the wave right now and and it's obviously helping the penguins balance out their their scoring and balance out their attack i mean i don't really know how the senators are going to match up against them when they do have uh the ability to line match back in ottawa yeah i mean and you know you look at their their playoff matchups this year i mean boston has some high-end talent you know Marshawn, pasternak bergeron yeah but they didn't have a lot of depth beyond that 
so it was a little bit easier for them to get Carlson out there against those guys, you know, kind of balance them out. And when you do that for half the game, there really isn't much of a threat with the secondary players when Carlson's not on the ice because they just didn't have the firepower. I think that's kind of true with the Rangers, too. I mean, even though they have some talent, it wasn't the type of talent Pittsburgh has. Now you bring this Pittsburgh team in, they can spread that, that scoring punch through four lines. And, you know, it's not just the Crosby and Malkin line that are going to beat you. They're, they're, those aren't the only ones that can provide the offense. And that's been what's been such a big part of their success the past two years, that they have those four lines to score. And you just wonder how Ottawa's going to be able to do that because Carlson can't play all 60 minutes. And even if he plays 30 minutes at a high level, there's still another 30 minutes where they're still scoring threats out on the ice against them. And I just don't know if they have the horses to match up with that. And you look at Ottawa's numbers this year, especially in the postseason, when Carlson's not on the ice, it's a big difference in the way they play and what they give up. And, you know, it's going to be a big challenge for them. So for uh, handicapping the series, I think both of us, it's pretty obvious that we're picking uh, the Penguins. I think they're going to do it in five. What about you? I have, I think Ottawa's probably going to maybe get two out of this series. I, I have Penguins in six. Okay, cool. Um, I think Anderson might be able to steal one. I, I think Carlson can make enough of a difference in one. I just don't think it's going to be enough to, to get to get four against them. Absolutely. Uh, and while we're on the Eastern Conference still, let's – Let's have a little a little chat about Alex Ovechkin because uh, <laughs> obviously, so we're recording this on Wednesday night. No, Thursday night. Sorry, Thursday night. So on Wednesday night, the Capitals get eliminated. You know the you know the critics come out of nowhere. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but people start you know talking about Ovechkin how he's never won, he's never gone this far, that far, um, and the Capitals are out after a seven game series against a really good Penguins team like. They matched up pretty well. It was basically a coin toss of a series, at least from my perspective. Um, you know, there's there's certain games that went you know this way for that team, that way for the other team. But overall, uh, they matched up pretty well, and one team had to win, one team had to lose. Um, but there are some people out there that are blaming Ovechkin because it's it's been so long for him in in uh, Washington in that era, and uh, they haven't seen the results. Which you know, on the surface, is fair, but I think. Uh, his numbers, at least uh, from my perspective and, and the way I view things, is that he's done his job. Uh, I just don't know if over the years uh, he's had the right support. This year, it just it just didn't work out for them. How, where do you land on sort of the Ovechkin uh, blaming debate? I, I think I drift more towards your position where, you know, I mean, it, it's really hard to win the Stanley Cup. You need a lot of things to go your way. You not only have to have uh, a really, really good team that is really healthy, that has everything go your way. You just you need some breaks along the way. You need some bounces. I mean, it seems like it wasn't that long ago we were having the same conversation about Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Like, would the Penguins ever be able to win with them again? I know they already had the one. But there was there came a point where they had those early flameouts in the playoffs, where Crosby and Malkin were getting a lot of blame for the team not going further. And could you win with those two big money guys at the top of your lineup? And a lot. It, it, sometimes it just. I know people don't want to hear this, especially fans. But sometimes it just comes down to some luck. I mean, if, if Alex, if that Alex Ovechkin shot last night that hit off the shaft of Mark Andre Fleury's stick, it, I mean. 
we're giving Flurry all this credit for that amazing save. He wasn't trying to do that. The puck just happened to hit the shaft of his stick. If, it, if that puck is a quarter of an inch in either direction, that's a tie hockey game, and who knows what happens after that. We're probably having a very different discussion today. And it's just little things like that that just keep adding up. And, you know, sometimes I think when you look at every Capitals postseason exit, there's a way to justify it. I mean, sometimes you just run into a hot goalie. Sometimes you just run into a team that's better than you. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody's fault. It doesn't necessarily have to be that that your whole system is wrong or that you're doing everything wrong. It's just, it's a tough thing to win. And, you know, I think if you want to have a discussion at this point about do you get rid of Alex Ovechkin, I think there is a legitimate talking point there. But it's not for the reasons that usually get talked about. You know, when when it comes to to this time of year, it's always the blame game. And you know, can you win with him? Is he a good enough leader? Does he care enough? I think the discussion has to be centered around just cold-hearted business. And is that he is is he a ten million dollar a year player anymore? And I think that is a discussion worth having because he's going to be thirty-two years old. His goal numbers and shot numbers kind of declined a little bit. Uh, father time is undefeated. He he has not lost to anybody before. And Except there's been a couple point where <laughs> Alex Ovechkin starts to slow down. And I think you, realistically, maybe you have that discussion. But beyond that, I, I think if you're just going to point the finger and say, we can't win with this guy, I, I think that goes a little too far. Yeah, I, I rudely almost interrupted you there by saying uh, Father Time has been defeated by Yermir Yager, but that's about it. He's oh, okay, that's that 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 is true. <laughs> One loss out of an infinity <laughs> amount of uh, tries, but yeah. you you make a lot of good points there, and um, you know what? It's like it seems almost silly, like us talking about this um, when you know at the end of the day, uh, teams need to win, and fans want they want to see their team win championships, and Alex Ovechkin hasn't done that. So it seems like it seems cut and dry, and it seems like almost like we're we have a hot take, but it's not when you actually. Uh, you know, peel back the numbers and actually, you know, if we're talking even about this postseason, I mean, it's not like they got swept in the first round and Alex Ovechkin right. had zero points. I mean, uh, he played very well. And like you said, uh, bounce here, bounce there. It goes completely different way. And uh, I just, the way I look at the NHL is that, like, even if they made it to this far, or I guess they were, they were in the final eight, um, that's the top eight out of 30 teams. I know that that's not the top four or the top two or the best, but it's not like they didn't make the playoffs and, and they're, they're totally, you know, going down the tube. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't like, tr- you know, uh, knee jerk reactions. Um, and I don't know if Brian McLennan is, is that type of guy, but I would think long and hard and think more about, uh, you know, the future and, and his earnings and, you know, the type of numbers he can put up in the future uh, like you alluded to, and not 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 base any sort of decision on, oh, you know, we, we right. didn't go far again in the playoffs, and and sort of blame that on Ovechkin. Right. I I totally agree. I mean, it's you know you, you want to see the results, but I mean, even if you you look at the elimination games they've played in, he has great numbers in those. Like he produces. I know he didn't have a great game last night, but big picture. You know, when the Capitals are have their backs against the wall or in games that he typically tends to score in those games. And so it's not like he's not doing his part. I mean, it, I mean, it's just a matter of 
what else can he do? And then sometimes I'm just not sure if there is anything else he can do. It's, it's just, it's tough circumstances. I mean, San Jose's had Joe Thornton and Patrick yeah. Marlowe for all these years, and they never got a cup. I mean, it, it, it's a tough thing to do, even if you have high-end players. Well, and I, I mean, we could go around in circles about this all day in terms of like the, the different circumstances, but they run into the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins might end up yeah. winning the cup this year. I mean, like if you lose the cup champion, you know, uh, there's not much else you can kind of do. Like that's yeah. kind of, it's almost like a pat on the back in a weird way. Um, so if the Pens do that, I guess that's a little a little bit of uh, saving grace for Caps fans. But I don't. Know, I kind of feel bad for that uh, fan base because they've had really, really, really good regular season teams, and they just can't seem to advance. And uh, yeah. Um. But uh, if we can transition to the Western Conference Final, uh, this is the uh, the juicier uh, matchup. I'd say one that's definitely gonna have more debate in terms of who's the stronger team. Uh, what's the outcome going to be in the lead-up to the first game. And uh, we got Anaheim. We have Nashville. Nashville's kind of the trendy pick, uh, kind of the new guys on the block. And uh, they have a lot to offer. But then you have uh, Anaheim who have, I- I'd say, overachieved this year. I-, I thought that they would kind of falter. And-, and at the beginning of the season, they sort of were. Um, I thought that that time, uh, you know, we talk about father time. I thought father time was catching up with them and their core. But... Um, yeah. they've had a lot of young guys step up and, and even, even the old guys, uh, continue doing what they're doing. Um, when you look at this series, what do you see as major storylines and how do you see it, uh, playing out? Well, I think you have two really good defensive teams, like just yeah. the talent that these two teams have on their blue lines, probably on paper, two of the better ones in the league. I mean, you look at that Nashville blue line now, you know, you have Subban and Yossi and Ellis and you know, all those guys. It's just a really, really talented group. Anaheim has, you know, just a, a really deep, young, talented defense. Um, just two really good hockey teams. I mean, Nashville was, was my preseason cup pick. So I'm kind of glad they got it together for no other reason than my own ego. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had so many bad picks this year, especially in the playoffs. I mean, at least, at least give me something. Give me one. And, but, I mean, I, I just think that Nashville team, they, they have a lot going there. I mean, they have that great defense. They have, I, I think, a, a, an underrated group of forwards. Uh, it, it's, you know, Philip Forsberg has been such a good player the past two years and so productive, and I still don't think we really appreciate just how good he is. And, you know, everybody made such a big deal about the P.K. Subban trade and getting a guy like him, but, you know, last year you get the Ryan Johansson trade, you give them a you know a number one center that they, they haven't had for so long. You know, he's been a, a great impact player, and you have a guy like James Neal that's just a pure sniper that, that can – you know, provide a lot of offense. Just a really good team. Not many weaknesses there. And and then Pekka Rinne, um, you know, he was such a good goalie for so long, and his, his career kind of kind of tailed off a little bit. And you wondered if he was ever going to get it back. And it seems like he has this postseason. He's been a, a, a you know great in net for them. And um, it's hard to it's hard to poke holes in that team and find many weaknesses right now. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Rene. Like he's his save percentage right now in, in all situations is 9.51, and it's actually it, let's say he keeps it up, and this is how uh, things end. Like even if they lose in in four games or whatever, um, that that would stand as the best uh, postseason save percentage ever. Like I I, I looked yeah. at it today. Like he's been that good. 
Um, and I don't really expect him to continue that. That's a pretty crazy uh, percentage, but the high expectation. Yeah. To, so to ask him to do that. Yeah, and I th- I honestly thought he was going to taper off against St. Louis, but uh, he didn't. So you know, we'll see what happens in that respect. And uh, you talk about the uh, the two defense cores. It's hard not to fall in love with the with the Predators top four. I mean, and then and then you have Matt Irwin, who's actually a really good defenseman on on their third pair. Um, and then Yannick Weber's Yannick Weber, but uh, you know it's it's I I don't know if there's an argument against them being uh, not being uh, the best uh, defense core in the league, and and then and then you look on the other side and you have um, really one of the better forward groups in the league in terms of big bodies, skill up, yeah. up and down, and guys that like really really want to win. You 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 brought up San Jose. Uh, a few minutes ago, although Anaheim won 2007, there's a lot of guys on that team that are just like they're craving the Cup final. They're yeah. they're like you know scratching and clawing and um, like Getzlaff has had some absolutely incredible games where he's taken his team uh, on his shoulders and and he's had a. I talked about this last podcast with a guest. Uh, he's he's had one of the better like last couple of months uh, in the entire NHL and it's it's a bit flying under the radar because of you know performances like Carlson or uh, Rene so it's uh, it's a really uh, enticing matchup and I think I'm uh, I think I'm going with uh, Predators and seven more as sort of I just think that the, with with what they've been able to do so far and how kind of bulletproof they've looked even if they take a step back I think they'll still be able to kind of push through to the final yeah you, you mentioned Anaheim you know how they have a bunch of guys that are really hungry to win, you know, it, and even though they did have that cup, there's so few guys left from that team. You know, they're, they're a team that's kind of had to overcome their own postseason demons you know, this year. I mean, they had all those game seven losses at home. You had that you had another game seven last night where everybody goes in probably hoping for the best, but fearing the worst. It was almost like Washington West and, you know, they overcame it. You know, they, they finally, you know, climb that mountain, and you know it, it's it, it's a tough team. It, it's a classic Western Conference team, I think. It's a big, powerful team. You know, a lot of size, a lot of talent. Um, just, uh, you know, Ryan Getzlaff, I think, has just been fantastic this postseason. Like you said, he's had some monster games. I think he's playing twenty five minutes a night uh, this insane. postseason. I just, I mean, it, it, it's crazy what he's doing. Um, I still, even with all that, I, I think I still lean towards Nashville in this. I just like what they're doing. I like the way they play. I like their team. I think Peter Laviolette's a really good coach. Um, and I, I think Nashville probably has a bit of an edge there. And I, I just don't see many weaknesses on that team. If Pekka Rene, even if he tails off a little bit, you know, even if he's just pretty good instead of Superman back there, it's still going to be a really tough team to beat given that roster. Um, you know, they, they have talent up front. It's a, they have the high end guys. They have, uh, a little bit of balance to that lineup where it's not, it's not totally top heavy. I mean, they, they can get offense from different lines. And that defense, like you said, it, there's a really good argument to be made that it's the best one in hockey. You know, they can skate, they can move the puck, they can defend in their own zone. Um, just a really rock solid team, I think. And I, I, I think I'm leaning towards them in six or seven games. Okay, and yeah, you you mentioned the uh, the kind of uh, competing uh, forces. Uh, Anaheim's offense is throughout the playoffs. It's uh, right up there in terms of one of the best in goals per game, uh, five on five scoring chances, 
five on five shot generation. Um, their power play could be better. And then Nashville on the opposite end uh, is what has been really the best defensive uh, team in the playoffs. So I wonder how that shakes out. Um, but it sounds like on paper, it just seems like, you know, it could be one of those seven game series where, yeah. uh, you know, six games go to overtime or something crazy like that. Who knows? Maybe it'll be yeah. a sweep and we'll be completely wrong, but <laughs> yeah. I, I th- it wouldn't be the first time Nashville surprised us like that this postseason. No, I mean, it- the way they went through Chicago, I mean, hey, it could happen. You know, if Rene gets hot again and you know, just steals a couple games, who knows? Yeah, they. You know what? Like, I've I've liked them throughout the year, and I like a lot of their pieces, but I don't even think the people that were really high on them to start the playoffs uh, envisioned them going through two rounds in in only ten games and really looking right. looking, yeah. pre- looking pretty good. Like, kind of. You could almost say borderline steamrolled uh, two teams that yeah. are that are very good, and now they face the Ducks. And who knows? Yeah, they could they could totally just uh, make everything look easy because they they have. And I, I'm excited to see a guy like PK Subban and on such a big stage as well. And right. uh, there's a lot of like even even when you look at the the Senators, uh, you know, like Dion Phaneuf. I, I I'm I live in Toronto, so it's kind of interesting to see a guy like him go on and find success, even if it stops here. I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, Phil Kessel and him are our buddies, and they're going head to head. There's a lot of, yep. uh, just uh, I don't know, good storylines in that sense. And you know, Randy Carlyle, obviously another Leafs uh, alum. Um, I did not think that things will work out for him in his second tenure uh, in uh, in Anaheim, and the results so far show that he's uh, he's doing an all right job. Yeah, and uh, the other storyline you got, is, I'm sure we'll hear about it at some point, is Sidney Crosby and Mark Mathot. Right, yeah, yes. Eugene Melnick might have something to say about it, as he wanted Crosby pretty much thrown out of the league after that. So I'm sure we haven't heard the last of that yet either. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, the, the amount of drama that follows Sidney Crosby around is really incredible. I mean, Oh, it's incredible. And, you, you, I mean, you were at a couple of the games, so I don't know if you if you saw these clips, but they were showing uh, Jay Beagle just harassing him, like, oh, yeah. from the, 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 you know, the puck drops, and then they have a 30, 40-second shift, and he, like, Crosby doesn't have an inch. Not an inch, he's getting hacked, he's getting cross-checked, he's getting just interfered with constantly, and you just go, how is this legal? And and at the same time, you go, like, that's just, you know, the way things go when, when the refs put their whistles away, and... It's happened to McDavid, and uh, when Edmonton was still in the playoffs, and it's it's really uh, it's kind of one of those things where you go, I I don't wish I was Sidney Crosby sometimes because that would have been super frustrating. Oh yeah, I mean the, the stuff those guys have to fight through is incredible, and you know it's you know the, the, yet they still carry that reputation where you know they get all the calls, and when you actually like watch them play up close and what they go through, especially around the net, I mean those those guys take a beating. And, you know, they have targets on their backs, and, you know, they, they just, it, it's a lot to fight through. I've uh, asked this question to last two guests, so I might as well ask you. We're, we're sort of midway through the playoffs. Who's your Conn Smythe winner? I think right now it has to be Eric Carlson. Yeah. I, I mean, he's just been, not only the way he, he's kind of put that Senators team on his back and carried them, he he just has been dominant. I mean, like he's one of those players right now that when you watch him, you can just tell he's kind of a step above everybody else. That he, he's the best player on the ice every time he goes out there. And I just think you know when you have a team that that's kind of exceeded every expectation anybody had for it, 
and is now four wins away from the Stanley Cup final, largely because of him. Uh, I, I think he would probably be my choice at this point. Uh, and I'd probably have Marc-Andre Fleury and Pekka Rene right behind him in that race. But I, I think right now, uh, Carlson would be my front runner. Carlson would, honestly, he, he, he would probably sweep it. I mean, I'm sure there's some, like, let's just say this hypothetical situation. I'm sure there's some people that would, uh, for whatever, re- for whatever reason, vote for, I don't know, Rene or, or Fleury for, right. for, for bias or whatever reasons. But, I think Carlson would win like 95% of the votes. He's just been that good. And it's crazy to think uh, that midway through the season, Brent Burns was like the the absolute like stamp it. Right. He's the Norris Trophy winner. And now it's like that seems like so long ago. And it's like, no, Errol, everyone bow to Eric Carlson like because of the, the regular season and because of the playoffs. Like he's been just kind of like uh, – like you, you sort of mentioned it. Like he's elevated his game. He's, he's a, you know, a cut above – everyone else except for maybe the the Crosby's and McDavid's like it it's 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 not crazy to say that he might be uh number three best player in the world at this point Uh, definitely top five oh I I think he absolutely at this point I think he's the best player not named Crosby or McDavid right now I mean I I think he's at that level it's it's yeah um there's like I mean we we could talk about the guy all day because even just the highlight reel passes that he's made and uh, the way that he's handled himself with a broken foot or, or whatever's wrong with his foot, which I thought was, if, if we can just pause for a second, him telling the media that he had fractures in his foot, I was like, that's the most open I've seen a lower body described in, in a really long time. And during the playoffs, I thought it was, um, you know, I loved it as, as a media member and as, as someone who follows the league. It's like, oh, finally, some some candid conversation. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, that probably wasn't the smartest move, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you never hear that, and yeah, I mean, it was it was bold. All right, Adam, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I, before we leave here, what? Uh, how can people find your work? I guess your Twitter and 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 what websites? Yeah, you can uh, find me on NBC Sports or at Fan, FanRag NHL, or uh, you can get me on Twitter at Agret, and uh, yeah, just uh, follow my stuff. Awesome, thanks for coming on, Adam. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime.